is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It's Tuesday. We're off on Mondays. The Eric Francis Show goes on Mondays, Hockey Central, Tuesday to Friday. Welcome back, everyone. It's a Flames game day. Lots to get into there when it comes to Calgary. They're taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for the next hour. Logan Gordon's going to be with me for the next hour as well. Uh, the one thing, I don't know if you guys have noticed yet, it's it's only been a couple weeks. Like it's week three. But we like to bring on Pat Steinberg on Tuesdays. We'll have to name this segment maybe. Let us know, 960-960. I was thinking of, like you know, it's the Power Pat hour, but he's not here for the whole hour. So, I don't know. That's not really a good one. But let me know. It's it's our Tuesday segment with Pat Steinberg. He's going to be coming on in about 10 minutes off the top of the hour. And then later we're going to be joined by Josh Yoey to tee up some more of the Penguins-Flames game tonight. Puck, puck drop, excuse me, at 7 p.m. He's the Pittsburgh Penguins writer for The Athletic. He is in Alberta. He was in Edmonton last night. Penguins coming to town after a 6-3 loss to the Oilers. Uh, Pittsburgh had a two-goal lead before Edmonton scored four in the second period. I mean, they just looked helpless, the Penguins did. Um, you know, there was that scare for Oilers fans and the organization. David going down after that shove into the net from Jeff Petrie. Uh, he came back into the game, and, and, I mean, the Oilers were just too much for Pittsburgh to handle in the second and third period. Pittsburgh didn't skate this morning, so any lineup changes we'll probably see in warm-up. Tristan Jari played last night in Edmonton, so I think we can probably assume that we're going to see Casey DeSmith against Jacob Markstrom. We know that from Pat, again, who's going to join us. He tweeted out that Markstrom is going to be the starter based on what we saw in the morning skate. So we'll see. It's looking like it's a Casey DeSmith versus Jacob Markstrom game tonight. For the Flames and the Penguins. Um, we'll get into more of that when Pat comes on. We'll get into more of that when Josh comes on again. It's a, it's a Flames game day, so we got a lot to talk about when it comes to Flames in this matchup. But uh, for now, let's bring in Logan. We got we got some time. What's going on? Happy, I guess it's our Monday. Well, it's my Monday. It's not your Monday. You worked yesterday, didn't you? I don't think I've got Logan. That's all right. Well, I'll get you now. Oh, you do? Hey. And maybe it is Monday for you. It is, yeah. <laughs> apparently it is. No, I was here yesterday. How are you? <laughs> good, good. Uh, had a devastating fantasy football loss yesterday. Ooh. Not great. Not great. Uh, That's a yeah, bad start for the week. I know. I was up I was up by 30, and I just needed the Patriots' defense to be all right, and I needed mm. two guys on the other teams to not get 30 points in it all. It didn't go well for me. I lost, so it's fine. It's a new week. <laughs> That's always the worst thing is uh, when you're down to like the Monday nighter and you just you just need a couple things to go your way. Never happens. Fantasy football's <laughs> cruel that way. Yeah. So we've got some text coming in nine sixty nine sixty because I want to name our little Pat segment. Okay. And I want to have it before he comes on. Uh, one says Tuesday's Pat chat. Uh. There's another one that says Pitter Patter. Get it? Like Pat? I, yeah, I like that's very yeah, funny. Yeah. That's clever. Uh, Pat is pending, like Pat and pending. I don't mind and that. And there's, yeah, or there's Pat's power play. Hmm. It goes in, people used to call him DJ Power Play. Yes. So maybe it's the, maybe we'd, <laughs> maybe I'd just say it's time to bring in, <laughs> I call him DJ Patty P. 
I think you should stick with that one. That's the best one I've heard so far. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind Pat Chat either. Yeah, Pat Chat's great. It's our Tuesday Pat Chat with DJ Patty P. See, there you go. Now, <laughs> now we're combining the best yeah. of both worlds, and then we've got it yeah. together now. I think we've done it. I think that's perfect. <sighs> anyway, keep letting us know, though. Everybody, I love, I love when the text line gets going on stuff like this. People are more creative than I am when it comes to this kind of thing, for sure. Um, but we've got some time before Pat. We've got, again, we're going to talk a lot about the game that's coming up, but I want to go through with you, Logan, a bit from last night. Uh, Phil Kessel played in his 989th consecutive NHL game. That streak began on October 31st, 2009, when he was a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, there was an interview with Phil Kessel from AT&T Sportsnet in Vegas the other day, and I sort of going, I was going around on Twitter yesterday, people being like, this guy just, this just looks like a dude who just so happens to play hockey. Uh, and he was asked questions about what it means for him. And he was like, when, do you remember your last game or the, the you know, the start of the streak? He's like, no, I don't. It was a long time ago. So there was a lot of insight from Phil Kessel. Um, one thing I've got to ask you though. So there was the one game where he only took one shift. Uh, last season in Arizona, he got a shot on goal, took one shift, and then he left to make it home. Like he flew from Detroit back to to Arizona for the birth of his daughter. I think it still counts. Like I don't think uh, I think there's maybe some people being like, oh, there's a couple games where we know that Phil Kessel didn't actually play, but whatever, it still counts. And that ties the Ironman streak from Keith Yandel. I think it rocks. I love it. I think Phil Kessel's the. The Everyman Iron Man. I, I know after this came out, I think Blake Wheeler was asked about uh, some time that he spent with with Phil Kessel, and he said there was a time where Phil Kessel didn't drink water. He didn't like the taste of water, so he only had <laughs> blue Powerade, and it just adds to the legend of Phil Kessel. I mean, there's always the hot dog stories. and uh, Those that, weren't even real. The, no, the, there's the, no hot dog <laughs> chat on this. That isn't real. But I do like that he leans into it, though. 100%. Like I'm pretty sure somebody made him like a, a hot dog birthday cake this year, and I was like, oh, that rules. Phil Kessel just ever. seems, you know, when you talk about players that you're like, who do I want to go for a beer with? You know, like whenever you get asked those questions, who would you rather, living or dead, who would you rather have dinner with or whatever? Like hockey player, you want to sit down and just like have a beer with and talk. I feel like Phil Gessel is, is up there. I just want to, I just want to talk to him for 10 minutes about, I don't even know. I just want to sit there and be like, Hey, like talk to me. I gotta, I gotta get into your head. Cause I love the water thing's hilarious. It's so good. And then there's the, I, I know there's that classic clip of, I think it's, I think it's Claude Giroux who's asking him about drinking a Pepsi before the game. And yeah. uh, Phil just kind of blows it off. He's like, did you have a Pepsi? And Claude's like, no, I don't do that. I don't, I don't drink <laughs> pop before games, man. Don't even, don't even start that. There's just, there's just something about Phil Kessel. He's hard to dislike. I know even going back to Toronto when things weren't great for him and he was kind of like the face of all the blame for everything going wrong with the Maple Leafs and, Hit some back and forth. I mean, he still was a likable guy for the most mm-hmm. part. I think even nowadays, you know, the the streak and everything just kind of adds to this legend. And I like that he's in Vegas now, and he was just sort of in Arizona for a couple of years doing his thing. But he's always been a, a good NHL, and I think he's one of those guys that's really easy to root for, Haley. Yeah, I think, you know, there's so many stories on, like, the legends, the man that's, that is Phil Kessel. I, I will say... You know, being somebody who was living in Toronto during some of, 
I guess I wasn't even living there yet. Gosh, it was that long ago. But I mean, I went to university in Toronto. I grew up in southwestern Ontario. I don't think a lot of Leafs fans loved Phil Kessel. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah, fair. Uh, he could be super funny and whatever, and people will get bad about stuff over there. But uh, I think it's interesting. I, I'm curious if we're going to see once he breaks the streak or hits a 1,000 games, uh, will Vegas keep playing him as much that's one question i have with phil kessel because i know you know we had we had the conversation about vegas last week and, and kessel hasn't exactly been fitting in um seamlessly he's not maybe i wouldn't say he's not fitting in because i'm sure the room likes him and, and he's fitting in just fine in that regard i'm not in the room so i can't really speak to that but i know we heard you know he's not exactly the perfect top six top nine winger that they were looking for so i am curious Will the Golden Knights keep kind of playing him consistently once he kind of hits that landmark? Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm just happy for him. I like those stories. You're always, you know, you root to see that. It's cool. It was nice. He almost scored his 400th goal. Uh, I mean, he did score his 400th goal, and then it was overturned from the coach's challenge from Sheldon Keefe. Uh, lots of people are upset about that, you know. Stunning. You're a thief of joy. Why'd you do that? You know, you guys <laughs> yeah. lost anyways. You should have let Phil Kessel keep it. You know, it only Leafs happened against are, Toronto too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Leafs are another conversation. Um, probably for for another day this week again. Because we're gonna bring Pat on in a moment here, and, and we've got lots of Flames talk. No pun intended, because that's the name of Pat's show. Um, Leafs are four and three to start the season. Um, they lost that game three to one. It was another game where some of the post game quotes were talking about how. Their habits and the way they played were was unacceptable. Not exactly the way that most people, prognosticators, would have expected the season to start for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, I think my colleague Dom Luchtishan, I think he projected them to have like a 107 point season this year by his model. Um, a lot of people had them going to the Stanley Cup. This is the year. This is the year. Austin Matthews is going to score 70 or 60, whatever it may be. Like there's a there was a lot of optimism. Um, around the Leafs, despite the fact that they were making a pretty big bet on two goalies who are, for all intents and purposes, reclamation projects. So uh, it's a big bet on being a really good five-on-five team again who can make life easier for goalies that haven't been proven to be number ones in the last couple seasons. So we'll see how things turn out in Toronto. They had a pretty slow start last year and ended up doing all right until it came to the postseason, but probably a chat for another day vancouver they lose again they have two points but they don't have any wins not great uh last little piece of news before we bring pat on to the atlas pizza hotline patrick line is coming back he's expected to play tuesday night against the arizona coyotes pretty significant for the columbus blue jackets for obvious reasons they'll get to reunite their best goal scorer with their most dangerous passer who needs no introduction in Calgary and Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, you know, speaking, I mean, the, the Leafs are four and three. Columbus, not that far off. They're three and four. Uh, it's a couple win difference, but, you know, you're just looking up and down the standings and it's early and you're seeing teams who you thought might be worse, might be better, kind of uh, close to each other. So Columbus, three and four to start the year. I don't really know what to make them yet. I don't know if people are, I don't. I don't think... I don't know if they're going to be a playoff team. Maybe they need a couple years. Maybe they need a couple more big free agent signings. So we'll see what happens when it when it comes to the Leafs, Columbus Blue Jackets. Let's go to the Outspeeds Hotline. Pat Steinberg's here. Pat, uh, this is the Tuesday Pat Chat. 
with DJ Patty P. <laughs> I named it before you came on. <laughs> you did. You did a really good job. I, I think that I think that should stick. And uh, you, you like that? Start, you should definitely start marketing that. Although, although <laughs> anybody who is a veteran of of this uh, radio medium and this radio station. DJ Powerplay is uh, more apt as opposed to DJ Patty P. But that's, that's only I like DJ two. Patty P. <laughs> Powerplay was my actual DJ name when I, know. I when I did school dances and, and <laughs> weddings. But Patty, they're 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 equally as lame. So I'm no. uh, I'm fine with I I'm fine <laughs> with either. See, I wasn't sure if the DJ power play was something that just people talked about in the media room in Calgary. I, I was not aware that you that people on the radio knew about this. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's. Uh, I, I get called that as much as I get called McLovin or my real name. So wow. uh, yeah, oh yeah, that was. We had we had jerseys made up that we wore at school <laughs> dances, and like when you'd start off a dance, you'd be like you'd. Each each person, or or you'd introduce the the two DJs, and everybody just had the lamest names. And right. uh, yeah, so DJ Powerplay. That's what because because <laughs> I really I was starting in sports, so I better make it sports oriented. Yeah. It was it was a it was a different time in my life. <laughs> I love it, and now here you are on yeah, the Tuesday Pat Chat on Hockey Central. Among I'm so honored to be here. I'm so yeah. honored to be here, and uh, I'm excited for the next 15 minutes of my life. Yes, that's great. Well, I know before you came on here, Flames morning skate. Looks like Jacob Markstrom's going to get the start. Didn't look like the lines were any different. Um, what did you see this morning, and, and maybe what did you hear in the room? Yeah, uh, everything looks the same. Uh, Rizicka and Vladar and Mackie all got bag skated this morning, so... They're all they're all mm-hmm. gonna sit out, so it'll be the same group as we saw on Saturday in that win over Carolina, and another really good test. And you know, I think I think that there's um, I think there's a definite realization over the last couple of days, just listening to players talk. There's a definite realization that this team uh, is happy to be where they are. They're completely fine with being four and one. Like they like their record. There's a lot of good things that they've done early on, but there's also a realization that they're not quite where they want to be or there's still a long way to go, and especially in their five-on-five game. Like, if you go look, and I know that I know there's something that, that you tracked all last year as well, but if you go take a look at where the Flames sit and a lot of the five-on-five that are important to them, they're they're not quite where we expect them to be. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're still a top ten team in terms of five-on-five shot volume, but that's from number three to number nine, and they were at about 56% last year, and now they're sitting at about 52%. And they were one of the best high-danger scoring chances teams in terms of suppressing and and also the ratio, and it also came to what they did generating. And right now they're just even at 50% in that regard. So I think that there's a lot of work that they want to do at five-on-five, and, and I don't really think that's all that much of a surprise for any team five games in, and especially a team that overhauled their core group in the off season. So I think that is one of the big topics of discussion that we've heard so far over the last couple of days. They practiced on Monday and then did morning skate today. And 
The other one is this, like, look, this is a tough, another tough challenge. You take a look at the opponents they've had in their mm-hmm. first six games. The one team that's beat them was a really good Buffalo team or a, an upstart Buffalo team that I think impressed all of us and surprised a lot of people. And they just came through Western Canada and swept the entire circuit. And then they had Colorado and Edmonton and Vegas and Carolina. And now they've got a four one and one Pittsburgh team with Sidney Crosby off to a great start, and they decided to bring the band back and run it back with their core group once again, and they're off to a really nice start and have some of the um, some of the better advanced metrics and analytics out there to start the season. So they're just quite the gauntlet to start the year for Calgary, and it just keeps on it just keeps on coming on Saturday when they've got the Oilers again. So if you're looking to get some really good tests early. The Flames are getting them, and for the most part, even though they feel like there's lots of work to do with their five-on-five game. Um, they've, they've definitely passed the early season test for the first five, and another one tonight against Pittsburgh that I'm really looking forward to, especially knowing what happened on Monday night when Pittsburgh got the doors blown off there in the final 40 minutes in a, in a 6-3 loss to Edmonton. So it's uh, got a lot, lot of, lot of, um, lot of interesting wrinkles to it tonight. Yeah, and I, I think the point that you're making with, you know, they're – you know, they've, they've kind of passed all these tests and they've done it at the same time with having things that they need to work on. And I think that's probably the biggest piece. And I'm not, I don't think there's really anybody who's saying like, oh gosh, we're scraping for optimism in Calgary because they are four and one. But I think when you look at, you know, the teams that they've beaten, the things that they've done already early in the season, considering how many new faces and how much they maybe have to do like that's a that's a good thing like we're seeing a really good flames team that could potentially get even better once we see them start playing you know a consistent five on five game in a style that we got used to seeing last year it takes some time for everyone to get on that page it takes some time for for everything to start clicking and i know we haven't seen everything really start to to gel at a high level up and down the lineup but but once it does you can expect that they're going to be even better i mean one of the things last year not just shot share but you know their expected goal rate was always you know consistently one of the best in the league um they're they're actually giving up more in the defensive side then they they are kind of pushing forward on offense like their their expected goal rate is at about 48% which means their you know teams are are driving a bit more offense than the flames are and they're still 4 and 1 so you can expect that once things really start to click you're going to see you know an even leveled up version if if all things go well you know i think that's a that's a well, good thing early in the season absolutely and when you look at when you look at the way Jacob Markstrom has played for the majority of his four starts so far, I mean, he has not been at the level we know he's capable of. He's not been at the level that he expects of himself or the Flames expect of him. And I'm quite confident that he's going to get there at some point. But I think Saturday's final 40 minutes or so, 45 minutes or so, against the Hurricanes was a nice step forward for Jacob mm-hmm. as he really shut the door. And we've yet to see some of the really interesting potential combinations click at 100%. I'm thinking of Uyghur and Tanev. They continue to get used to one another, and Tanev continues to get used to playing with a right shot on his left side, and and Uyghur continues to learn all of what goes into being a part of this team as opposed to Florida. And and then, you know, the one that's been talked about the most is the home line with with Uberto and and, uh, Toffoli. And there's still lots of growing to do, lots of improving to do there, and, and they still need 
leagues because to this point they've been fairly ineffective at five-on-five, and I don't expect that to be something that carries on for all that much longer. So when this – I think that we all – not we all, but I think there was a definite understanding or potential thought that this could take a little bit of time to find their legs or or for this group as a whole to maybe – get into the swing of things with so much overhaul at so many important positions. And so the fact that they're four and one and still trying to kind of hit full stride and start firing on all cylinders, I think it's a positive that, you know, you can absolutely look at them and say, well, they found ways to win some games. They've locked games down another. Like there's been far more positive, even though there's things to work on, there's far more positive than negatives to start this season for Calgary. And I think that it's easier to kind of point to certain things that need to get better when they do have eight of a possible 10 points of the season and they have found ways to win because I think even from a coaching perspective and Blake Coleman even said this on Monday, like it's easier to learn from wins and it's probably a little bit more fun to learn from wins and, and start to work on things after wins as opposed to if these things were all the case and all the things we said were true and they were one and four, I think it'd be a whole lot of a different conversation. So they're a good mm-hmm. team. That's the one thing that I've said all along is that, okay, it might take a little bit of time for them to hit stride or even in the conversation about do they have the ideal lineup? Are they missing a potential middle six winger right now? And, you know, do they have to go and get one? And my, my feel all along has been that, well, I don't think you have to go and do anything right now. And, because they're a good enough team to, whether they're not fully in stride in October, November, December, they'll still be good enough to win more than they lose, I think. And mm-hmm. if they don't have the ideal forward lines through October, November, December, January, they're still going to be a good enough team that, you know, it's not going to be the difference between them making or missing the playoffs. It's something mm-hmm. that's a little bit more of a big-picture conversation moving towards the playoffs. So, yeah, it's been good. I, I I don't have a whole lot of complaints about the start of the season and any of the any of the nitpicking that you're hearing right now is is all because you gotta find something to talk about because it's been <laughs> largely a successful start to the year. Yeah. It's a long season. They've got time to figure those things out and they are still getting points while they do so. So I think when you say like those nitpickings because we got something to talk about, I mean those are just that. It's 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 nitpicks. I think one of the, the most frequent ones we've seen outside of maybe questions around the top line, and, and we talked about that last week, and I don't want to make that a, you know, the, the weekly part of the the pat chat is what's going on with the top line. Um, but the other one's been Jacob Markstrom. You mentioned it there. I thought he, I agree. I thought he had a good final 40 against Carolina. Yeah, he let in the first couple, but then he locked it down. He gave his, ch- his team a chance to to come back and, and seal the win. Uh, we do have to acknowledge, though, that, you know, there was a deficit, and, and we've seen some maybe uncharacteristic goals against from Markstrom. I think the one against Vegas comes to mind, that, that opening goal from William Carrier. Where do you stand on this? I, with all that said, I am not concerned. I think we saw, you know, we, we've seen the track record that Jacob Markstrom has, but but where do you land on, on what you've seen from Markstrom early? Is there any concern, or are you just... Yeah, whatever he'll figure it out. I am. I'm far more on the ladder on that one. I just. I don't think that you can do what he has done the last four or five seasons. You know, going back to his final two years, three years in Vancouver, and his first 
two seasons as a member of the Flames. I don't think you can look at the body of work over the last half decade and then be like, no, nah, you know what? I think it's gone. I think I think he's lost it. I and yeah. I I get it. I really do because back half of last season, especially the series against Edmonton, that's fresh in a lot of people's minds. And then the preseason yeah. wasn't wasn't great. And then the start to the regular season, there's been some uncharacteristic goals led in. Like I get it, and I understand why it's it can be somewhat easy to kind of lump it all together. I really do understand, but in saying all that, I just I, I think he's too good a goaltender to not figure it out, and and I think he's going to. And I think a part of the reason why you're seeing him get as many starts here as he's gotten over the last little bit, including this one against Pittsburgh, is because, and, and Daryl Sutter has come right out and said it, like they, they feel like they need to get him games. And I know that they've also said that they want to get Dan Vladar one start a week. or uh, I think, I think it, it'll end up being an average of one start a week when it comes mm-hmm. to Dan Vladar at the end of the season would be the goal. Right now they want to get Jacob some games. They want to get him into a groove. And this week's a weird one because they play Tuesday – and then they don't and play not again until Saturday, right? Until on Saturday, yeah, it's two yeah. games in nine nights. So that's that's kind of hard to get into a rhythm. So do you yeah. want to do you want to do you want to have Markstrom sitting for a week? I don't know, probably not. So yeah, th- there's there's a lot of things at work, but I really do I really do believe Markstrom is going to figure it out, and I believe that what we saw Saturday is a nice step forward in that regard. And he he holds himself to too high a standard and Mm -hmm. he cares too much about what he what he's doing for the team i just i can't see it being a year where you know all of a sudden we're talking about him not being the number one guy there's still as much as i think the vladar contract is awesome and as much as i think that vladar's got a chance to turn this down the road into a true tandem I don't think we're there yet. Right now, it's still, in my eyes, very much a, a one-two situation. And I think we're still probably talking about 55 to 60 starts at the end of the year for Jacob. And I think that right now, it's very much about getting him into a groove and seeing if he can find a little bit of a rhythm here in season and, and maybe get some of the early season jitters that we've seen um, behind him. I think that's a, a big reason why, again, we're seeing him against the Penguins tonight. Mm-hmm. It's hard to to you know fight through it when there's two games. You know he can't yeah. sit for a week. Like you're, and we know he's a goalie who likes to play. People have asked him in the past about his workload, and he always kind of just uh, gives you that steely look and says, "I want to play hockey games." So I think maybe people are done asking Jacob Markstrom about his workload if he wants to keep playing as much. But I think the one thing I brought this up last week in the conversation about Markstrom. I mean, he had two shaky first games last year. Um, and I know that they've played, he's had more starts now. This isn't just two games we're talking about, but it's still a small sample size. And the thing that I point to is he had, you know, the two, they had, they lost the first two games last season in regulation and overtime. Uh, and then, you know, Markstrom looks just okay. And then he had five shutouts in his next 11 starts. Uh, <laughs> so like you said, Pat, there's a track record of, of him figuring it out and not just figuring it out to, you know, be an average goaltender, but to be, you know, he finished second in the Vesna Trophy voting last season. So, I think there's a track record of success with Markstrom. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not too too worried. Um, moving on, you're a big Michael Backlund guy, Pat. I know this. I feel like everybody knows this. He's had a pretty like I don't I don't want to call it sneaky because he's been on the board. I just feel like 
there's been so much talk about the top line and the power and the top power play unit and the fourth line had a great game and the second line Nazem Kadri they've been great but Michael Backlund's had a really good start to the season too. He's been awesome and I we we talked a little bit about this on Monday on Flames Talk and I just he he's carrying himself a little bit different this year. I think first of all I think when when Matthew Kachuk and John Gaudreau and Sean Monahan and Mark Giordano all left this team in the last two off seasons for different reasons, different circumstances, but they've all left this team. He's turned into the de facto, not de facto, he is the longest serving and has been the longest serving member of this team for a while, but he's also kind of turned into the the last holdover from the original new core going back to like 2014-2015 when, you know, th- this team first started to be relevant again under Brad True Living. He's the last guy, and I think he's taken on a lot more ownership of what that means. I think that he has really started to take more ownership of his role inside that dressing room, what he means to this team on and off the ice, and I think he's also just a little bit more or a lot more self-assured about what he means to this team and what he is as an NHLer. And I think that that confidence, that, that self-assurance, he just, he's carrying himself a little bit differently on and off the ice. He's, he's got a little bit more edge and he's playing with a little bit more edge. He's playing with, he's, he's always been at his best when he's been assertive at both ends of the ice and he's always been at his best when, you know, you can you can see him go out there and we all know that he's extremely responsible defensively, but, you know, when when he's also making an impact at the other end and his line is getting in on the forecheck and, and we're talking about sustained shifts in the other, at the other end of the ice, Michael Backlund's one of the more effective two-way players on the planet when he's that guy. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen a lot of that. You could take a look at how he's been used so far. He's seen lots of tough competition, as he always does. And he's seen a lot of defensive starts. Yet here he is. Like, I think he's up at around, he's up at around 68% in terms of shot share for the Flames when he's on the ice. And, and mm-hmm. when, when it comes to Daryl Sutter's brand of hockey, shot share, shot volume, that's as paramount as it gets. So Backlund's been great in that regard. Yet, He's been starting more of his shifts at the uh, at the defensive end. He's he's under fifty percent when it comes to the offensive zone start ratio, which is very very normal for him. But yeah. and, and he typically is a play driver, but he is driving it in in a whole new way. And he's been good offensively. He's been good on the penalty kill. He's been dynamite on the penalty kill. And he's he's even been looked pretty good on that number two power play unit. Just all things all things being equal. I know we talk about Michael Backlund as the number three center on this team, but the way that Daryl Sutter's using him and Blake Coleman and, and Trevor Lewis, like they're just as important as any other line on this team right now. And and Michael's just as important as any other center on this team right now with the way that he's used. So I think that we're he's what, thirty five years old, thirty four years old now at this point in his career, and I think more so now than ever, Michael Backlund knows what he is as an NHLer, is confident in what he is as an NHLer, and I think that we're really seeing it right now. It's like a, it's a new Michael Backlund, and he's always been such a fan favorite for the way that he handles himself, his work in the community, uh, how much he's given to this organization since being a first-round pick going all the way back to 2007. Like, he's been in the organization for more than 15 years now. Yeah. And 
I, there's there's always been an appreciation, but I think that what we're seeing right now is Michael Backlund, the hockey player, being more effective and more confident than we've ever seen him, and that's only good news for the Flames because, as our buddy Labardius always says, when when <laughs> he is when he is a impact maker, when he is impacting things at both ends of the ice, the Calgary Flames rarely lose hockey games, and he's done that for the vast majority of the first five games this season. I feel like I've always said, you know, this dating back to the summer when I was saying the Flames should be targeting Nazem Kadri, and this is someone they should look at because it would slot Backlund into that 3C position, put him on a line with Blake Coleman. We know Trevor Lewis is on, on that other wing, and you can have that third line that starts in the D zone but they're so good on the forecheck and they've got the stick details and they're good defensively but they're also quick and they can transition the puck into the offensive zone and turn those defensive starts into sustained offensive zone pressure and if that's what your third line is doing on a consistent night-to-night basis you're going to be in a good spot like if Michael Backlund is your third line center. You're gonna be, you're gonna be all right. And I think you look at some of the the ice time at five on five. I mean, you look at the centers, and and Daryl Sutter's got Nazem Kadri's played around sixty minutes at five on five. Michael Backlund's played, you know, fifty eight, and and Elias Lindholm's played fifty five. So so we're seeing them all pretty close in terms of their five on five ice time, in terms of the the one two three centers. But yeah, Michael yeah. Backlund's right up there. I mean, he's playing more at five on five than Lindholm and, and Huberto and, and Toffoli are right now. And, and I think that speaks to what you're saying, Pat, of the importance of the quote-unquote third line. I think I saw somebody ask Daryl about the fourth line, and he dinged them like, oh, you guys number the lines. I don't. Maybe should, it's just the backland line. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, try, <laughs> I, I try not to put numbers on lines when I ask Daryl yeah. questions because, uh, hey, That's I mean, because right. in, instead of, him asking what line is that, at least then you get the answer right away because you're talking about the backline line. And he and Coleman play so well together and have... They were so good in the playoffs, too. Year. So good in the playoffs, so good in the regular season. Uh, they, they just, they think the game such a, uh, at such a, uh, a similar level. They, they do things so similarly. Um, and, and, you know, if you were to, if you were to look at them at a playoff series and, and if, especially with the way it's constructed right now with also having a Kadri line and a Lindholm line. If they were to go up against the Oilers again, like I think you'd be seeing the back of the line would be out there against either the dry side of line or the, the, the McDavid line on pretty much every shift. And, you know, not a lot of hard matching that goes along with, with the way Daryl runs his bench, but you've got that ability where you, you don't care who you put the back of the line out there against and you don't care what situation you put them out there against. You just put them out there, and, and obviously you trust them defensively, so you could lean a little bit more on them defensively than maybe other lines, but you can put them out there against anybody and expect them not to get beat, and the way they're playing right now, you expect that line to maybe win that, that shift matchup and finish it at the other end of the ice because that's what they're doing on a regular basis right now. Good stuff, Pat. I'm sure we'll see the back of the line play uh, probably against the Crosby, Raquel line, maybe Malkin, Russ. They've got some options. That's a pretty dangerous top six, and we'll see Backlund up against one of those two, I'm sure. Before you go, what's your favorite song to spin at a birthday party so we can play it next Tuesday when you come on? Like, what? Well, it depends. Depends. Like, what? What are we doing? Like, are we? Are we it's doing? The, it's the, the Tuesday Pat song? chat. You know, it's the Tuesday Pat chat. Like when, when, I, your... when I used to play at weddings, 
or Christmas parties. You couldn't do this one at uh, at you know at a junior high school dance. It's okay, a little okay. inappropriate. But yeah. if you played the, it's gonna be radio play, friendly, Pat. It is radio friendly. Okay, okay, on, continue. If, if, if you play the Divinals, I touch myself by the Divinals. That thing filled the dance floor at every wedding and every every corporate event. The place would be like a nightclub if you played that song. That and uh, DJ Sammy Heaven. Those would be the two. Okay, perfect. We'll play that next time. Thanks, Pat. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> there he goes on the Atlas Pizza Hotline. It's Pat Steinberg, the Tuesday Pat Chat. Uh, DJ Power Play, DJ Patty P. That chat brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner for takeout or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Dine at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive, Northeast. It was a great chat with Pat Steinberg. Coming up next is Josh Yohe from The Athletic. He covers the Pittsburgh Penguins. We're going to tee up some more of the Penguins-Flames game tonight on Sports at 960. Listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Is this one of the songs Pat was just talking about? <laughs> Who's doing this? Logan, was that from uh, was that from DJ Pat, or am I just way off here and don't know what he was talking this is about? A DJ Pat. Selection. <laughs> that was just bringing us in with some smooth jams. I like it. Thanks. That's great. Uh, welcome back to the program. Sorry about that. I guess I just don't know what Pat was talking about. I, I didn't frequent any of his office parties or, or birthday parties when he was actually a DJ. Good idea. Uh, <laughs> but it's Hockey Central, uh, bottom of the hour here. Let's go back to the Alice Pizza Hotline. It's a Flames game day. We're teeing up Calgary, Pittsburgh. So let's bring in Josh Yoey. He's uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, one of the Pittsburgh Penguins beat writers at The Athletic. I think I've told Josh this before, but I actually subscribed to The Athletic to read your stories about the Penguins, because uh, <laughs> I was a Penguins fan when I was younger. So welcome to the show. Well, I don't know <laughs> if that makes me feel old or makes me feel good, but I, I, I appreciate it very much. It's a pleasure to be on the air with one of the stars at The Athletic. Oh, so I, Don't say that. I'm thrilled to be here, and I found a very nice, quiet spot in Calgary International, so I can hear you. It's very exciting. Ah, Perfect. Welcome. How how is the you came you flew over from Edmonton to Calgary? Uh, this is not your first time here, obviously though. But welcome. Well, I'm a Calgary person, so I, I'm always happy to get out of Edmonton and always happy to be in Calgary. I saw some snow. I don't care. I like it here much better. <laughs> I'm sure listeners will will appreciate that, and I'm with you. Calgary's Calgary's awesome. Um, before we get into maybe the game last night and and some of the the matchup coming up between the Flames and the Penguins, I've got to ask you because I, I, you did a lot about this in the summer and it was a pretty wild off season for the Penguins. I thought it was ended up being a pretty good off season for the Penguins um, when you consider some of the pieces that stuck around, some of the ones they added, etc. But my question for you, Josh, is was there a time this summer where you like legitimately thought that this was it. Like Malkin's gone, they can't bring back Chris Letang. Like it's 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 done. The big three is over. Well, Malkin in particular, uh, I certainly uh, had some reservations about whether or not he was ever coming back. It, it was pretty clear to me early in the off season that Chris Letang was more of a priority, and I, and I think he was. Um, they got him signed, and that was our. Uh, first day of the draft, in fact, in Montreal. 
And for those next few days, you know, I kept hearing the Penguins and Malkin aren't really very close to a deal. Then we heard Malkin got really irritated a couple of days before free agency and told the Penguins, you know what, if you're not going to give me four years, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. So there was probably about a 72-hour window there. When I would have told you it was 50-50 at best that he was coming back, but then all of a sudden, uh, one thing led to another, and the deal got done. And from what I have been told many times, you know, Sidney Crosby certainly played a role. And he wasn't sitting there at the negotiating table, but he let Ron Hextall know, like, hey, I want to finish my career with this guy. I don't want him playing in another uniform. And I, I think that played a really big role in how things went down. Mm-hmm. I, I think the moment for me where I was like, oh, boy, was when, when they brought back Ricard Raquel, and I wondered, like, oh, gosh, how's the, the cap situation going to work with that? Did they just give Malkin's money? Uh-huh. <laughs> to him, and, and we know that's obviously not the way that it worked out. Um, I think it's been a pretty good start to the season for, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're 4 1 and 1. Last night didn't go great. I thought the second period, uh, you know, the Oilers just became too much to handle. And, and I, I read your story from last night as well. It seemed like they were trying to play the run and gun game that when you do that against the Oilers, you're probably going to get burned. But, so far, so good. You know, you've got the big three. Everyone wonders, you know, <laughs> is the age curve ever going to hit the Penguins? But but so far, so good. What's what's clicking in, in Pittsburgh so far? Yeah, they've been good. And you're right. Last night, what happened, you know, this still happens with the Penguins. They forget that they're in their mid-30s and not their mid-20s because, you know, <laughs> a decade ago, that's how they played. And they welcomed teams to try to beat them 7-6 to because you couldn't do it back then. Um Penguins are still a really good team, but they're not really built uh, to play up and down like like that. And mm-hmm. nobody's built like Edmonton in that regard. You don't want to play that kind of game with them. But uh, the Penguins often just can't help themselves when they see the Oilers. They, they they almost take it as a challenge to their manhood, I think. Like, all right, we're going to beat you 7-6. We still got it. And you know, <laughs> you're not going to beat them that way. Um, right. But in general, it, it has been a very good start to the season. Sidney Crosby has 11 points in six games. He looks like he's always looked. He never changes. I watched him the first day of training camp. I was like, God, it's a, like he, every year he looks the exact same. I don't know how he does it. Um, he's leading the way. He's been their best player by far, uh, as you would expect. But really, everybody's been good. All the old guys, if you will, are off to a fairly good start. And when I talk about the Penguin success, it's so easy to talk about the big three. And obviously, they're a huge part of it. But I, I go back to two other people as well. I, I really think Mike Sullivan is one of the best coaches in hockey. And he has these guys prepared every night. And Tristan Jari, who you're probably not going to see tonight, I would guess Casey DeSmith will likely start against the Flames. Uh, Jari has been awesome to start the season. Maybe not great last night, but he got bombarded. He, he's really been outstanding to start the year. Mm-hmm. That was kind of one of the questions I was going to ask you about Jari, because I know, you know, maybe last year heading into the season, it was kind of like, it doesn't matter. I don't care what I see from Tristan Jari in the regular season, show me what you can do in the playoffs. Are, are we kind of over that now? Everyone's kind of like, yeah, he's the number one. Like, he's he's good. He's our he's our guy. He's got the crease. Yeah, I think so. And, and he still does need to prove he can do it in the playoffs. I mean, he he absolutely imploded against the Islanders two years ago. But, you know, yeah. that's just the way it is. And last year he came back and played game seven against the Rangers. But, man, that's a heck of a spot. And, and he was still clearly hurt. He shouldn't have been playing that night as it was. So I don't think anybody holds that against him. But I think the, the thinking in Pittsburgh at this point is like, you know what, this guy's probably a top-10 goalie now. He's 27. He's just coming into his prime. And, oh, by the way, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. Uh, the Penguins typically do not, uh, you know, talk contracts in the middle of seasons with players. But I have been told uh, that he is an exception 
and they want to get something done with him at some point during the regular season here, and I suspect mm-hmm. they will. That there's only so many good goalies out there, Haley. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. there's a little bit of a goalie shortage right now compared to maybe five or ten years ago. And mm-hmm. the Penguins have a young one they really like, so I, I think they're going to lock him up at some point. Well, and I wonder if they look at how the goalie carousel's been going so far this season and being like, Ugh, I don't know if I want to hop on there because uh, not all these changes are are working out very well. Oh. Oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, listen, if, if you're a team that has a goalie you like in his 20s, this is a really good time to lock him up, right? I mean, the look around the league, there's so much uncertainty with new goalies and new places, and I'm sure some of those guys will get things straightened out. But, yeah, it's just one of those positions. If you got a guy you really like, you stick with him. And Ron Hextall, the Penguins GM, you know, he's a former goalie, so he definitely has a different kind of eye toward goaltenders, I think. Mm-hmm. And boy, he really likes him. I mean, he just has kind of an unshakable confidence with Jari every time you talk with him about him. So I, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. You talked about Crosby and, and Jari and, and obviously Mike Sullivan, probably one of the, the best coaches to, I, I'm, I'm always surprised when he doesn't get as much attention when we're talking about the Jack Adams every year. I know Daryl Sutter won it last year and, and I do agree that he should have, but boy, some of the, the injury problems that Mike Sullivan has kept that team afloat for, and he hasn't really got that kind of recognition when it comes to Coach of the Year, is is wild to me. No, <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. Um, and I also think it's why Crystal Tang's never been a Norris finalist, which sounds crazy when you think about it. I but I think so many people look at the Penguins and say, "Well, they have Crosby and Malkin, two generational players, two future Hall of Famers. How hard is it to coach that team?" Well, it's not easy to coach that team, I assure you. Uh, ask Mike Johnson. <laughs> ask Dan Bilesma in the end. Yeah. Ask Michael Terrian when he was in Pittsburgh uh, 15 years ago. Like, yeah, you want to have great players, but they come with egos. They come you know, with certain ways they think the game should be played. It's not always easy to coach guys like that. And Mike Sullivan figured it out immediately. And he, listen, all, all good coaches have to be good communicators to some extent. He's different. I was talking with Jake Ensel a few weeks ago. He said, you know, Sully always uses the right words. I said, right, he sounds like a school teacher or something. And, and Gensel said, yeah. He said, sometimes he uses words like we're just hockey players, so we don't always know what they mean. So we'll actually like Google <laughs> words that he uses. And then we're like, wow, that was the perfect word. He always uses the right word. I'm like, yeah, he just he just knows how to communicate in a different kind of way. And I'm telling you, the, the big names on the Penguins roster have so much respect for him. Uh, they flat out have told me we don't want to play for anyone else the rest of our career he, he's the guy <laughs> is uh, speaking of Gensel is he on the road trip or is he could he rejoin the lineup uh, is there any kind of update on on his status mm, he is on the trip uh, okay. I would think it's unlikely he plays tonight in Calgary although he has not been officially ruled out mm-hmm. maybe we see him in Vancouver or Seattle later in the trip uh, against Los Angeles last week he took kind of a dirty hit from Brendan Lemieux he hit him up high after the whistle had blown out a delayed penalty and Gensel stayed in the game and the next shift Crystal Tang uh, there was a, a puck was on edge and he fired a slap shot that hit Gensel right in the right ear and oh. I saw his ear in the press box in Edmonton last night it looked like it had been through a meat grinder it did not oh. look pretty at all yeah <laughs> so he's, he, yeah he's dealing with Thanks. that I'm, he, he, he did get he skated the last two days, Haley, so it's not impossible that he would play tonight. Uh, my guess is they might want to get him a practice in Vancouver a couple of days before he comes back, but I don't think we're looking at a long-term thing at least. I guess last one for you, Josh, before I let you go. Only got a couple minutes left on the show. 
you know, you talked about what the Penguins maybe did wrong against Edmonton. They they kind of tried to play their game. When when you're talking about when the Penguins look good and and they're and they're winning hockey games, like what what does that look like? What's the system that the Penguins are going to bring to Calgary to try to beat the Calgary Flames tonight? Well, first of all, the Flames gave them a lot of trouble last year. They just physically manhandled them a little bit, but. Uh, so it's going to be a tough one for the Penguins playing back-to-back. But this is going to sound kind of strange because we talk about the Penguins and their offensive ability and all the skill they still have. But when they play a more conservative brand of hockey, there's, you know, silly little hockey cliches like getting the puck deep and things like that. That's really when they're at their best. Mike Sullivan's belief is if they just take care of things defensively and are smart with the puck, they're so gifted, they're still going to score three or four goals a night. Mm-hmm. But when they start taking chances and trying to stick handle their way around everybody, that's where they get into trouble. So that's what you watch against them and against Calgary, especially a good team like Calgary. Like they have to play kind of a simple game and get pucks deep and go to work. If they try to do the uh, Harlem Globetrotters stuff against good teams, it just doesn't work. And, and they still have that in their DNA a little bit. Sullivan's always trying to get it out of them. So that's really what you watch. If, if they just go deep and get, go to work, they're still a really, really good team. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate the time and, and get out of the airport. I, I appreciate you finding a, a quiet spot, but get out of there. Anything for you, Haley. Take care. <laughs> Thank you. There he goes. That's Josh Yoey on the Atlas Pizza Hotline. That chat brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. For take it or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Dine in at Atlas Pizza, 6060 Memorial Drive. Northeast. All right, that's it for the show. That's all the time we got. Thank you to Pat, DJ Patty P, DJ Powerplay, uh, Josh Yoey. It's a good show teeing up the game tonight. That Again, that goes at 7 o'clock. And remember, you can listen to Hockey Central on demand. We'll be back Wednesday at 1 o'clock on Sportsnet 960.